Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, we are diving into week two of our collection of talks, Living Together, The Realities of Relationship. Wherever you find yourself on the road to relationship, we can all admit that maintaining healthy, life-giving relationships can be harder than expected. In this message, Picking a Partner, Pastors Rich and Don Cherie share five filters to evaluate when choosing someone to date. To discover collection resources, visit vuchurch.com slash together. Now let's lean into the message. If you got a Bible, quickly grab it and turn with us to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 24. If you're new to church, forget about going to the table of contents. It's the very first book of the Bible. So just turn right there. I can see someone's on their date. Like, look, I know where it is. There you go. Um, Genesis chapter 24. We're going to get there in a moment. But welcome, welcome to everybody. Welcome to everyone on YouTube and the podcast. Welcome to everyone in person, Design District, South Miami City. So cool that we're all in church together. And uh, you've come on a really, really cool weekend because we're actually in part two uh, of a collection of talks entitled Living Together. And uh, last week, we really kicked it off, Don, Shree, and I, preaching on the motivation of marriage. But today, we are in part two, and we want to talk to really all the single folks up in the house. Look at, look at people getting, watch this. Let's go. If you're single, put your hand up in the air. Okay. Keep it up, okay. keep it up. Look around, look around, look find around. it, find it. There it is. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yep. Just see you in the courtyard after church. Um, <laughs> Linger a little longer. It's funny, last year I actually wrote a book and released a book entitled Single and Secure. Breaking up with the lies, falling in love with the truth. I think this is a book really for everyone. Every season of life, wherever you find yourself, it's really about completion in Christ, security in Christ and Christ alone. But last year we did an entire collection dedicated towards single people. And the Lord really spoke to me as we stepped into this new year that I was supposed to do an entire collection really dedicated towards building healthy relationships, building healthy marriages to be exact. And so last year we did a lot of work on the single people. This year we're going to try to help marriages. But really quick, before we get into this, anyone's very first time to vue, very, very first time to vue. All right, Josh Paul, come on, let's go find someone. He's an athlete. Find someone out there quickly. First timer, first timer. By the way, he's engaged right there. Josh Paul's engaged, met her at church. Oh, yeah, praise God. Look at it. He's giving glory to God. Make some noise for Josh Paul and our first time guest right there. Thank you for being here in church. So today we actually want to preach about picking a partner. Let's go. Because if you're going to live together, how many of y'all know you should start at the beginning? Um, you, got, you got to pick a partner. And it makes me laugh because we were in crew uh, at our house this past weekend. And we got a bunch of married people in our crew. And I was telling the crew, like, yo, don't you and I are going to preach this weekend on picking a partner. And one of the guys in our crew goes, well, um, he's married. He goes, well, I'm not coming. I said, why? He goes, well, I ain't got a return policy on her, so I'm not coming. <laughs> But he made me laugh because I think sometimes when we come to these ideas around relationships, that can kind of be our thought process. We were talking to some other friends of ours, and their brother is single, and he was here last week. They came out of church, and they said, hey, did you like the message? He goes, yeah, I like the message, but I'm not married, so that really wasn't for me. I'm really looking forward to this week as you talk about picking a partner. And I, I just think, once again, this lays a beautiful backdrop because sometimes when we start talking about relationships, this is our mindset. We start to pick and to choose what's for me, what's not for me. I saw a troll on Instagram this week on the Voo Church page, and sometimes that happens, and he's like, yo, enough with the couples therapy. Save that for Wednesday night. Can we start preaching the word again on Sundays? 
And I just say that because if we're not careful, that kind of mindset can creep into God's house that we can think that today's talk, last week's talk is only for a select group of people, that this is somehow couples therapy, and we can think that the real holy stuff is preaching the gospel. May I remind you that marriage is God's favorite illustration to indicate and showcase the gospel and his love for humanity. Meaning the more we understand what a healthy relationship looks like, the more we can discover glimpses and traces of the love that God has for us. Every message that we are preaching is for everyone, trust me. If you're single in this house, open up your ears because we're about to give you some stuff that could change your life forever. After picking Jesus, the person you choose to spend your life with is the most important decision you could ever make. Your spouse is either gonna be your greatest asset or your greatest liability. There's some married people like, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's really true, right, South Miami? That's really true. If you're dating, if you're not married yet, there's still time to get out. Amen. There's still time, yo. Run. And listen, if you are married, you're like, yo, I already, I already picked, I already chose. I don't, you know, uh, I'm already in this thing. I, I, I shouldn't have come today. Uh, <laughs> I disagree with you because more than likely if you are married, you're going to raise some kids. Yep. And guess what? In the society that we live in, we spend more time teaching our kids how to get into college, how to make the sports team. Let me tell you what. The person your child chooses to marry is going to have legacy-defining ramifications. It can alter eternities. Every one of us in this room, we need to get God's word in this subject matter. Whether we're divorced, single, married, we're all teachers and we're all sharing truth with people that we meet along the way. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna have to learn how to choose with some wisdom. Someone say wisdom. Wisdom. I talk a lot about it in Don Shree. We've talked about it. I'm telling you, sometimes in life, it is much better to stay single than to marry the wrong person. Somebody said amen. We're talking today about how to choose with, with, with wisdom. Yeah, we need wisdom. We need Holy Spirit guidance as we choose who we're going to commit to walk for the rest of our life alongside. And we see this in Genesis chapter 24. We see the forefather of our faith, Abraham. He's actually choosing who his son will marry. Uh, we're gonna read the text in a moment, but he sends his servant to choose who his son will marry. And I, I understand that while like arranged marriages are not happening perhaps in this room or what you would love for your parents to choose your spouse. I'm choosing all my kids' spouses, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not playing. All right. I think that there is some wisdom in the idea that those around you that are wise, that have gone before you, that their voice into your relationship matters. Mm. You need the wisdom of the people around you that you trust and that you seek to emulate what they have. I mean, that's where wisdom is found. And I think today in 2023, 2023 everything is so individualized, yeah. right? 
I remember when we first started pastoring young adults, it was like over a decade ago after a church service, I had a conversation with a young man who was a part of our young adult ministry and I had known him for years and he had been dating this one girl and they'd had a really tumultuous relationship, ups and downs and breakups and okay, we're back together again. And he came up to me after service to tell me that they had gotten back together. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, but we have decided as we've gotten back together that we are no longer going to speak to anyone about our relationship. We are not gonna let anyone speak into it when we break up, when we're processing, when we're trying to figure out if we're the right for one for each other. Just the two of us are gonna make this decision and we're not inviting anyone else in. And it was at church, so I had my sword. You know what I'm saying? I was like, let me grab my Bible real quick. And I opened up to Proverbs because Proverbs written by the wisest man to ever live. He says again and again that wisdom is found in many counselors, that victory is found in many counselors, that protection is found in many counselors. And I said, friend, I love you too much to not tell you that that is the worst decision you could ever make. Because if just the two of you are gonna try to process the biggest decision you've ever made, you've set yourself up for a disaster. And you think you've seen up and down already. You ain't seen nothing yet because you need the wisdom of other people in your life. You need them to tell you when they see red flags, to speak love over you, to, to encourage you when you need to forgive, when you need to make decisions. Like, we need each other. And so we see Abraham, a father who had many blessings, know that it was important for him to steward this moment. And that's where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 24. It says, now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. So he doesn't just send anybody and he doesn't just say choose someone from where we dwell right now. He says, no, go back to the land where the same faith is shared. I want you to go. And he makes this really powerful moment where he makes him swear an oath to the God of heaven. Like you have to realize the heaviness of this moment, how much he trusted this man who the Bible says really managed everything that he owned. And what is he saying in that moment as he charges him to find Isaac, the right wife to stand alongside him? Well, what he's saying is there are many to choose from, but we need God's wisdom to choose the one. We need gods to choose. There's many, but all of us, we have the honor, but we also have the responsibility to choose the one. Absolutely. Uh, there's many in Miami. Many in Miami. That's a song. <laughs> That'll preach. Um, <laughs> there's many in Miami, but, but girl, like, you know, love is blind. <laughs> and if every person in your life that you trust says that dude is an idiot but you don't listen to them, does that make you wise or foolish? I think it was Beyonce who said, drunk in love. <laughs> that sometimes we can be so intoxicated with a feeling, but we have to step back and come back to our theology, our philosophy. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. If love is a feeling, if love is butterflies, what you'll discover is that butterflies fly away. 
And so many of us were picking partners and dating people simply upon the feeling of a butterfly. And you're going to need wisdom. You're going to need counsel. We're going to start with God's word today. We're using this framework of the father of our faith, sending his servant to choose for Isaac. And I just think like Don Chu's talking about, like there's many to choose from in Miami. But let's not just use the word many. Uh, Miami's a mess. Am I allowed to pastor ever? Okay, here we go. Um, Miami is a mess. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll be looking for the gold in one season only to discover simply all I got was dirt. This is going to step on some people's toes. We're going to get there. Um, I firmly believe that in every season of life, there is gold to discover, but you've got to filter through some things to find it. When the men went out west to discover gold, there was a practice called panning. Everyone say panning. Panning. I sort of think that dating is a lot like panning. And the, the system of panning was they would take a tray and they would go through the dirt and as they would get it, they'd have to sift through it. They'd have to filter through all of the dirt and they have to pan through it because what they're looking for is they don't want coal, they don't want sand, they don't want dirt. What they want to find is they want to find the gold. I can already sense the Holy Spirit on this message. They're preaching. And some of y'all, you need to learn the art of, of, of panning. You need to learn the art of filtering through the dirt, filtering through the mess of Miami. I'm not saying people are dirty, but people come with dirt. And you got to learn how to pan. Bro, I'm so happy that she fulfills all of your fantasies. But is that girl fulfilled? You got a pan. I'm so happy that that girl says she knows how to build a home. That's awesome. But what is her home built on? You got a pan. I'm so grateful that man's got a good credit score. But does he know how to give credit to the one who gave him life? Does he know how to give credit to the one who saved his soul? You got a pan. I'm so thankful, man, that she checks all your boxes. But have you taken time to check her character? You gotta, you gotta pan. It's called panning. And I believe there's gold. There's gold for you in the season. But you don't just choose anyone. You pick your partner wisely, and you believe that as you, as you sift through the dirt, as you sift through the mess, that God has something in store for you. Today's very, very practical. But what I've learned is, is that many people were never taught some of the great principles in the scripture when it comes to choosing wisely the person that they marry. And so many people simply get married based upon a feeling rather than making a wise decision. Let me just give you a couple handles today of how to filter through the mess to find the gold. Number one, the first filter, if you're a follower of Jesus, I know we got people from all different walks of life in here over at South Miami today on YouTube. We welcome everybody. Everybody's welcome at VU Church. But when we get up on this stage, we preach from the Bible and we preach to the person of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that the first filter you have to work through when you're picking a partner is the filter of faith. Everyone say faith. Faith. You have to look through the filter of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, if you've never heard it before, you gotta get it down in your spirit. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? 
This language of a yoke is not something that we use in our modern vernacular, but a yoke was a wooden object that was put on two oxen that they might plow a field in a straight line. If you had one strong ox and one weak ox, what would happen is they wouldn't go in a straight line. Instead, they would go in circles. You ever feel like your relationships are going in circles? It's usually because one of you is much stronger than the other. You're unequally yoked. You need to understand that as you get into a relationship, as you spend your life with someone in marriage for the long haul, this is a non-negotiable. This is the most basic starting point ever. And you see it with Abraham. Abraham says to his servant, here's the one thing. Doesn't talk about finding a beautiful woman. Doesn't talk about finding a rich woman. He says, do not find a woman here in Cana, but go back to our hometown. Don't marry one of these girls that are pagan, but rather go back to the girls that are serving the one true God. Swear to me an oath that you will not let Isaac go back but rather that he would have a woman brought to him who would take the same journey of faith. You need a person of faith. If you're gonna spend your life with someone, this is the most basic filter ever. Please know if you're following Jesus, you got a massive upgrade. Someone say upgrade. Upgrade. Like when you met Jesus and he washed you and cleansed you of all your sin, he removed all your shame, He took away the consequence of your sin. He promises you heaven. You now see the world completely different from the world. What you think is success is not what the world says is success. What you think brings joy is not what the world says brings as joy. It was an upgrade. And what people don't understand in life is that you got upgraded to Jesus. You can't now downgrade by going to someone who's incompatible with you. You preach this. It's not that an unbeliever is bad. You gotta get, a be- you gotta get better vocabulary. Yeah. It's not they're solely bad. No, it's that they're incompatible. Yeah. Like how many of y'all know, you can't take the brand new iPhone 14 and use the old charger. Yeah. They're incompatible. You can't get your iPad and put Bill Gates' Microsoft 95 on that thing. <laughs> Windows 95 doesn't work on an iPad because it's incompatible. And the same is true for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't find your spouse in the club. Like, this isn't, this isn't about ego. This isn't about self-righteousness. This isn't about arrogance. This is about logic. They're incompatible. They're unequally yoked. I, I, I'm gonna preach it a little bit for a moment because we got time. Last service, I ran out of time. Unequally yoked does not simply just land at being a Christian. Let me just say, because I'm gonna pass for our church, sorry for everyone out there on YouTube world, just because someone goes to VU doesn't mean they're a candidate. There's all sorts of dudes up in here that you should not trust. There are all sorts of girls up in here that are here for all the wrong reasons, bro. They're welcome, but you don't gotta marry them. How do I, let me say it this way. Being being a Christian is a requirement for the job application. But it doesn't mean you're qualified for the role. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a candidate. See, people look at unequally yoked and they label it in one category. They think it simply means follower of Christ. Listen to me. It's not less than Christ, but it's more than Christ. 
It's about having equality in our capacity, equality in our calling. Are we in the same place mentally? Are we in the same place emotionally? Are we in the same place physically? Are we in the same place spiritually? You have a mission. God has given you a purpose and a calling. And the person who's supposed to stand by your side is supposed to help you walk in straight lines, fulfilling the mission and the purpose that God has called you to. He has a suitable helper. We learned last week that helper does not mean an assistant. You're not marrying a housekeeper. You're not marrying a sugar daddy. I just want to marry a man and I never have to work ever again. What? Girl, you have a calling. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. It is about walking in a straight line of strength. It's amazing. We don't have time to read all of Genesis 24. You need to go read the entire thing because all of the things that we're filtering through come from this story of Abraham and Isaac. And one of the most profound things that takes place is that as the servant steps out, he literally says, God, make me successful today. May I find a suitable helper. A helper being someone who corresponds or who's connected to. So we're not marrying just someone who's just my, we're marrying someone who's gonna be connected and correspond with me in my calling. And the servant says, God, would you give me a sign? We pray about all sorts of stuff. God, I pray I get the job. God, I pray I pass the test. God, I pray I get into that school. Do you pray about who you should marry? I know it sounds so simple, but someone needs to teach. My dad, I would go to bed at night at 10 years of age, and my dad would pray for me. God, I pray you'd bless Rich, use him as a man of God. And then he would always get to the end of the prayer and say, but Lord, we're just praying right now for wherever that girl is at. That one girl he's supposed to marry, Lord, we just pray for her, Lord, that you'd keep her, that you'd prepare. I'm like 10 years old, like, I don't want to get married. (laughs) It's funny, though, because now I'm a dad, and I'm doing the same thing. I was putting Waylon in bed last night. I said, God, I pray for this young woman of God. Lord, thank you for her life. May she grow up in security and strength. May she grow up knowing that she is fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, I pray for that dude, wherever he is. Dear God in heaven, I don't like thinking about him. But God, I pray you'd start preparing him that when she's 35 years of age, and he's 38, that he would finally be fit and prepared to take on this woman of God. Why? Because I know I'm her daddy and I want to make sure there's a young man out there who's ready to walk in these shoes. I'm going to call upon the God of heaven to partner with him. I'm praying for her spouse now. I know I'm doing my job. I hope he's doing his job. And I hope those girls that my boys are going to marry one day, I hope that right now that they would know from a young age whose they are, that they're children of God. God, form them and filter them through faith because life is difficult. I don't know how to say this to you, but this is not about being egotistical or self-righteous. I can already see some people coming at me being like, man, how dare that man say that? Friend, use logic. Light is incompatible with darkness. What are you going to do when you get 
into the real functions of life and you discover life is not as easy as you thought it was. What are you gonna do when you find yourself in the valley and all of a sudden in marriage, you don't have a prayer partner? What are you gonna do when one of your kids gets sick and there's no doctor that has a prescription that can heal them? I pray to God that you have partnered yourself up with next to somebody who knows how to get in the fight and pray with you. God, bring healing to our home. There's gold, but you gotta filter through. You gotta filter through faith. I'm getting way too pumped That's up so good. in one point. It's just ridiculous. It's so good. We gotta, uh, we gotta link up on the age that we're praying for for Waylon. Waylon's not leaving the house till 40. I've already decided. Yes. I, I've been praying something different. Uh. Well, she's not dating till 22. I'll tell you that. Okay. Much. Hey, the beautiful thing about, there's so much that you said that we need to think deeply about. But when you talked about your dad praying, like, I, I'm the result of those prayers. Like, I, he, he prayed for me before I had ever met his dad, he was praying for me. Those prayers made a difference in my life. I believe those prayers protected me. I believe those prayers strengthened me. I believe those prayers, you know, helped guide me. Your prayers make such a difference. Faith is the, is the baseline, friends. I hate even that we have to prod you on to that, because come on, is Jesus your everything? Is Jesus your everything? And how would anything else make sense? How could any other connection in life supersede the connection you have with someone because of their love for Jesus? It's faith, but it's not just faith that we filter. I'm gonna give you some other things that we think are key just to a lifelong relationship full of vitality. And that, the second thing that we wanna talk about that you should filter is friction. Everybody say friction. friction. Now, friction causes a spark. And in any good relationship, you don't have to have immediate bonfire when you meet that person, but you gotta have a spark. And how is a spark created? It's created through friction. I think, I think a lot of times when we think about a spark, we think about the initial, just very basic, like, oh, I'm so physically attracted to that person. Or there's like a sexual chemistry that we share. But guys, there are so many sparks yeah. that are important to a relationship. Like humor is a spark. Humor is such a good spark. Good work ethic, can I get an amen, is a spark. Like someone who has thought deeply about life and ponders the questions in life, that is a spark. Someone who takes their calling seriously but doesn't take themselves too seriously, that is a spark. And when we read the story of Abraham sending his servant to find a suitable helpmate for his son Isaac, like we see the servant come and he, he stands by a well and he says a prayer. He goes to God and he prays and he asks God that God would send the right person. And then all of a sudden, Rebecca, before he even finishes the prayer, Rebecca comes out. And Rebecca comes out and doesn't just ask if he wants some water, but she also asks if his camels want water. And that is the immediate spark. It's the thing that makes her stand out. It's the thing that goes, oh wow. Like the spark in her life was hospitality that she was intentional, that she was focused, that she was willing to go the extra mile. There was something about the charisma that was immediately evident in her life that made the servant go, oh, this is the woman, God, that you have sent. And friends, it's so important 
that we lean into the spark that is created through a friendship and a relationship. I think a lot of times, like, when I say that word friction, some of you, like, immediately that has a negative connotation, right? Like, what do you mean, Don Shree? I don't want friction in my relationship. There are many ways to interpret this word friction. And you need to take a closer look because you really need to understand the context of friction. Friction is not a bad thing when approached by two hearts that are full of love and wanting the best for the other person. Like even like think about a battery. Like a battery, it takes a negative and a positive. And the negative and the positive come together to what? To make power. Mm. And I think the same in our relationship. When you think friction, you think conflict, but friends, there's healthy conflict. Yeah, yeah. I need conflict in my life that helps me be shaped in the image of Jesus. Conflict is simply being challenged. And any good relationship challenges you. There you go. Because what doesn't challenge you won't change you. And I did not get in this relationship to stay the same. I wanna be more like Jesus. I wanna learn, I wanna grow. I wanna evolve into who God's called me to be. And that's gonna take some friction. That's gonna take some challenging. That's gonna need you leaning in. Friends, we got two brains. Two brains is better than one brain. Thank God he thinks differently than me because he challenges me. I hear people say all the time like, oh man, he's with her and, and man, he's just so different now or she's so different. Well, in the context of community and a life-giving relationship centered on Jesus, you should be different now. You should be more mature. You should be desiring God more. You should be open to your blind spots, allowing the precious presence of God to change you. Friction isn't a bad thing. It's uncomfortable in the conversation. None of us love it. But I think a commitment to going, man, opposites attract. This is awesome. We share the same faith, but we're different. We're always bringing new things to the table, new thoughts. Well, that's a gift because that means we're growing together. Sometimes when you preach, I wanted to get like a little clip and next time we're like in the house, like, you know, <laughs> disagree. That is so messed up. I just want to be like, remember how you told the church that two brains are better than one brain? This is me bringing my brain, girl. It's true, it's true. When you start dating someone, when you're courting someone, you get married, you change. Yeah. Question is, are you changing for better or for worse? Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. If I had not married Don Cherie, I'd probably be, I don't know if I would be sitting on the stage, but if I was, my hair would be, had a frosted tips for sure, like in sync. <laughs> Shut up. And, um, <laughs> but I would, I would be the biggest debater and arguer because my ego gets the best in me and I always think that I'm right, even though I'm not right. But this relationship has tempered me, put me into moderation, has put my ego in check, has humbled me from time and time again. And it's made me more like Jesus. Yeah, and I think in my life, like if I hadn't walked with Rich in relationship, like I would be avoiding conflict. I would be shutting down at the first sign of differences. I wouldn't be valuing um, healthy confrontation. I, I would be like more valuing my good intentions than actually stepping out in faith in obedience and doing what God has called me to. I'd be waiting for the perfect sequence and to be able to see the big picture before I actually stepped into the nitty gritty of what God is calling us to. Like it, it is, God uses relationship to challenge us and then to change us. And I think this is such an important point because once again, culture will creep in and it will give you a fantasy, not the reality. 
And I hear all the time, I hear people say, I just want to marry someone that we just never fight. I just, we never fight. No, we never disagree. Shut up. <laughs> That's not true. No, I, I just want to be with someone we don't ever disagree. We don't ever, no, you're going to get bored really quick. If you don't ever disagree, you're going to get bored. And when you get bored, whew, that's where trouble comes from. That's when you find yourself stepping out. That's where cheating begins. It's in this mundane board. It's, it's two people coming together. Yo, like fighting, it's never a question if you fight. The question is, do you know how to make up properly? Do you know how to have healthy conflict resolution? I think people, they lie to themselves and I just don't ever wanna have a disagreement with my spouse. You're lying to yourself. You will get bored. In fact, if you're here today and you're on the verge of getting married and you guys have never, ever disagreed before, get in a fight today. <laughs> this, is, this is the word from your pastor. Leave. Get in, we don't fight. There's not, I don't talk, get in a fight. Uh, talk politics. <laughs> Who, who'd you vote for? You know, like, Talk end times theology. Find something. If that doesn't work, bring both of your mothers to the next date that you go on. Because you don't really know someone until you've seen them angry. You don't really know someone until you've seen them flustered. You haven't really met someone until you've seen them not get their way, until you've seen them slightly embarrassed. I'm not looking or trying to cause it. I'm literally saying that disagreement is what's sharpening you. The scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. How do you sharpen something? With friction. She makes me sharp, yo. I was real dull before I met this girl. She keeps me sharp. <laughs> I gotta filter through faith. I gotta filter through friction. This is, this is a simple one. You gotta filter through friendship. If someone was to ask me outside of the church, you know, what's the number one thing that keeps a couple together if they're, if they're not following Jesus, if they're just even, you know, if they don't have spirituality or, or, or Christian values at the center of it, I, I, the research is very clear. It's friendship. Falling in love is easy. Friendship is hard. You've got to marry someone that you don't just love, but you like. That's the whole premise of living together. Because we always just talk about romance. And like, you're not, most of you aren't struggling with romance. That's why I don't like all the culture stuff that lies to you about sexuality and says things like, you know, you're just gonna marry that person without ever sleeping with them? Like, you don't even know if you'll like it. Trust me, you both will figure it out, okay? Like, they've been figuring it out for... Sex is not hard, trust me. No, you don't understand, Rich. I gotta know. You, 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 will you have a whole lifetime to figure it out together. What the real thing is, is, is there a friendship? And one of the greatest gifts in our life was we met at a very young age, which we're very thankful for. It's not to, this is not to our credit. This is the, the providence of God. But we were long distance. You know, being 18 years of age, she's in Shreveport, Louisiana, your boy, born and raised in the county of day. Trick daddy. And um, like, stop, stop, stop. Sorry, 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 sorry. I get excited. Real fun. Okay, take it to that. Okay, stop. So stupid. Actually, never mind. What so, is happening? I don't know. It just, you know, you wouldn't get it. Are those bigger boy I jeans don't. you wear? No, stop. I don't All get right. it. It's like, if you know, you know. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. lost. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> Too many thoughts. All right, sorry. All right. Sorry. My Steve Jobs microphone's coming off. People in Somi are like, what is, what is he talking about right now? Um... Where was I? You're saying we met long distance. Oh yeah, we distance. met long distance. And so like at 18, before FaceTime, like 18 years of age, like it felt like such a burden 
But you need to know that many times the way that God works is that burdens are oftentimes the wrapping paper to blessing. That some of the, God's greatest blessings come wrapped in a burden. And for us, I'm gonna be honest with you, that burden of being long distance became our greatest blessing because it forged a friendship. In fact, it delayed the physical. Not because we're so holy and so Christ-like and so disciplined, but because we're literally not together. Which I think we need to be more honest about that sometimes in life. I think sometimes in life people are like, oh, they, they act so self-righteous and so holy. And it's like, bro, you know you're not really like pure. You just have never had a really great opportunity before. That'll hit some of you later, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> purity is not something that we, we just withstand at 17. Purity is, I have to be pure in my marriage. Purity is the condition of your heart. It's your mindset. It's a journey. But Don't you and I weren't just pure at 17 because we were so good and so Christ-like. It's because literally the burden of being long distance removed the opportunity to bring the physical in too soon. And when you bring the physical in too soon, all of a sudden you don't learn conflict resolution. You don't learn how to make up properly. We were forced to talk together. We were forced to learn how to communicate. And when I study the story of Isaac and Rebecca, we see them later on after they're married, obviously Abraham and the servant they picked right because look at what the scripture says. This is Genesis chapter 26, verse eight. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebecca, his wife. Laughter is one of the greatest signs of friendship. And I might even say that laughter is a great sign of intimacy. Whoever you pick as a partner, please pick someone that you love to laugh with. Not because life is a joke, but because life is really, really hard. And the scripture says laughter is medicine for our soul. Last night before we went to bed, Don't you know, we were laying in bed. It's none of your business, but we were laying in bed. And I, I got this girl laughing, yo. She was laughing so hard. I'm telling you what, that's what I call winning in life. 20 some years later, I still make the girl laugh. That's what you want. You, you want. you want friendship. And I just think when you're picking someone, friendship means that there's shared values, there's shared interests. I like how Don't You talked about friction. And if I can just try to be practical with you, like you probably don't want to marry someone who's a polar opposite from you. Like, I mean, when I mean polar opposite, like think of the, the, the personality spectrum. Like if you're an extreme extrovert, meaning all of your energy comes from being with people, and the person you're marrying is an extreme introvert, meaning they only get energy being alone, you're gonna probably begin to resent each other's way of recharging, which can create separation and distance in the home. What you want to probably find on a very practical way is you wanna find someone who's interestingly different. I like that language. Like, Don Shree and I are, are very different. I don't think we're polar opposites. I think we have a lot of shared values. We have a friendship. But the areas where she's different, it's really interesting to me. And my curiosity, I just can't get enough of learning from her. And I'm going to record this part. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, it, but there's this interesting side of that that I'm curious about. I'm always learning about her. And when we got married, I, I never want to come up here and like make you think that we have a perfect marriage. We don't. It's perfect for us. We've had all sorts of challenges. We've had all sorts of issues. Maybe one of these days we should just come and talk about our worst fights or our biggest fights. Writing the sermon this week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass to you later. Um, what does that even mean? I don't know, that sounds wrong. But anyways, um, I think we've always had a beautiful friendship 
And when it came time to get married, there wasn't like convincing going on. Right. I'm just trying to be really practical. It's like some of you right now, like it's such a lopsided, unequally yoked relationship that one of you is so desperate for the other and there's this convincing going on. Mm. There's a manipulation. You're projecting the best side of who you are. But marriage is going to show you who that person really is. The makeup comes off, metaphorically and literally, okay? So wrong. Who are you? <laughs> okay, oh. You need to stop. What in the world? Okay. Listen to me. If you have to convince someone to marry you, there's a good chance you're going to spend your life convincing someone not to divorce you. If, thank you so much for the slow clap. I love it. Adrian, get him slow clapping over there at Somi. Um, there needs to be a, a friendship is, is the bedrock and, and laughter is a good sign. There's Rebecca and Isaac. They've been married and they're laughing with each other. It's an indication of their intimacy. Friendship is so key. But not only friendship, next, the thing that you need to filter is family. Family matters. Mm. When you choose someone, you need to understand that it's not just the two of you, that you are marrying into a family. I think this is, um, I don't think this is given the proper focus yeah. in today's culture. And we see this beautiful love story between Isaac and Rebecca that Abraham sent his servant, he brings Rebecca back, they are wed. They have two twins, and we see this family, this legacy, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is one of two sons, who, they're twins, and they're born to Rebekah. And they grow to be uh, men, and they get married. And we see that Esau marries women who are local to where they're living. It's found in Genesis chapter 26. It says, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. This is pain within the family. Now, if you've read this story a million times, you never noticed that there was pain in the family due to marriages. It's not the only time that the Bible mentions this pain. It goes on in chapter 27. Then Rebecca, the mom, says to Isaac, her husband, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? And then we see the plot turn because one of her sons has married the local women who are bringing in other gods who don't share the same faith as their family. And so she then makes a decision in that same chapter to send her son Jacob back to the land where she came from. She sends Jacob back. And you may have thought that the surrounding situation was just the fact that Esau and Jacob had enmity between them that made him go back. But it was also the in-law situation with her other son's wives that made her send her son Jacob back to the land that she came from. And when she sends Jacob back, Jacob is immediately greeted by a man named Laban, Rebekah's brother. And in the text, if you go back and read the story, that moment when Rebekah is a young girl and the servant finds her and realizes there's the spark, this is the one I'm supposed to bring back to Isaac. When he realizes that, Rebekah as a young girl, her brother comes running out and his name is Laban. And all these years later, Jacob goes back to the land she came from. And who does he run into but Rebekah's brother, Laban. And Jacob 
who was there in that land partly because he had deceived his father with his mother who had decided to deceive her husband, now meets Laban the deceiver. (laughs) Now Jacob the deceiver is deceived himself by his uncle. He serves for seven years, hoping to marry Laban's daughter that he loved, only to be given his other daughter after seven years of working. Then he has to work another seven years before he can marry the woman that he actually wanted to marry. And what you see in this family tree is a family tree of deception and manipulation, of conniving to get your own way. We say it here at VU. If it runs in the family, it might be chasing after you. You can't be blind to the things that your family has struggled with. There is no perfect family. And if you learn anything by studying this text, it's that both the women that were far away from God and serving other gods, and both those that shared the same faith, both had dysfunction. Mm. When you step into a family, you have to understand family matters. There is no perfect family, but you should be asking questions. Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. Let me spend some time around your dinner table. Can we get everybody together? Tell me the story on this. How did that happen? Why does this work this way? What do you think about this based upon the way that you were raised? Why? Because you cannot separate an individual from the family that they were born into. Yes, God redeems. Yes, he heals. Yes, he can do miracles. But we're all in a progressive state of healing every day, every year as we follow Jesus. And families, they really matter. Yeah, when I was younger, my dad used to always tell me, Rich, you don't just marry a girl, you marry an entire family. And when he was saying that, he wasn't saying that someone's family of origin should necessarily disqualify them. What he's saying is, is that their family of origin cannot be ignored. It can't be ignored. So I don't think we should be disqualified because of our pedigree. We don't believe in that at all as the gospel. We believe that as we follow Jesus, that our life is redeemed and we're grafted into a new family. But you need to understand the person that you're going to partner with has picked up traits, has picked up tactics that you need to simply be aware of. Why? Because if you don't learn from the past, you're bound to repeat it. And if you don't confront it, you can't change it. Counseled a couple the other week. Awesome couple. And this young man, he grew up in a home and his parents, they fought like cats and dogs, but they've been married for three decades. They would fight, they'd curse each other out, they'd go to bed that night, they'd wake up and they'd be lovey-dovey, kissing all over the place. That is what he watched his entire life. So what happens? What you watch is what you learn. And now today he's married and his wife is really confused because he fights just like the parents he watched. And he's going, we ain't got a problem, we're good. She's like, we got a real problem here. But what's amazing is that in their communication, because they haven't both taken the time to do inventory on their past, she keeps criticizing his behavior, not realizing as she's criticizing his behavior, what she's really doing is criticizing his only vision of what real intimacy looks like. It's because they haven't taken note of their families. I'm not trying to hold anyone back because I know there's people here that's like, man, you, I, don't even want, I'm not, I don't want to talk about my family. I don't want to deal with my family. I hear you. I love you. I'm for you. But if you don't deal with it, it's going to always deal with you. If you don't deal with the past, the past is going to deal with you. So practically, girls, how's that man treat his mom? I didn't know that mattered. Oh, it matters. 
bro, what's her relation like with her dad? It, it matters. Should not disqualify someone, but it can't be ignored. We can't fall into this trap that love is blind. We have to realize that this is a journey of living together, the reality of relationship. There's gold, but you gotta filter through it. And you definitely have to filter through family. Lastly, as we're ready to close today, we don't just filter through faith. We don't just filter through friction. We don't just filter through friendship and family. We filter through focus. Really, really important. I, I do not believe that somebody with where they're at today, it should be disqualified about um, them becoming a, a potential partner of yours. It's not necessarily about where they're at today. It's about where they're headed tomorrow. I preach for years that I don't pick someone solely on potential, look at their patterns, but that's not to say that potential doesn't matter. I'm grateful, I gotta believe, Don Shree, you can agree at any moment, that I am better than who I was and where I was at 17 years of age. I know it's true about Don Shree. And I think a value for both of us is that we just want to progress, we wanna grow, we wanna improve. I gotta believe at 48, I'm gonna be better than I was at 38. That's the pattern of my life. And so for all of you, as you're picking someone, it's not just about where they're at, it's about where they're headed. Can you see their point? Can you see the direction in which they're leading and guiding their life? So girl, he doesn't have to have his dream job, but it might be good for him to have a job. And bro, she doesn't have to not ever get upset, but is everything World War III? This is about focus. This is about where you're headed on the journey. And the thing that sticks out so much about Genesis 24, and I'm really hoping people will go back and read all of it because there's so much rich content there, is that if you look at the story, it can sound so archaic and it can almost sound misogynistic that this girl didn't have a choice, but that's actually not true. Even in this time period that was a misogynistic culture, Rebecca was given a choice. It wasn't just Abraham and the servant picking this for Isaac. This was Rebecca picking Isaac. Look what the scripture says. This is Genesis chapter 24. And it says this. It says in verse 57, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. And in that statement alone, what you discover about her is that she too had the exact same faith that the father of our faith, Abraham had. Abraham had to leave this place, step out into the unknown where God would make himself known. Rebecca, yes, she did deceive, and yes, she made mistakes, like all of us, but she is recorded in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 as a woman of faith. Why? Because she walked the same road as Father Abraham. She stepped out and made her own decision. They weren't just picking her, she was picking them. She went on the journey of filtering through all the dirt and all the sand and said, I'm a woman of faith and I'm picking a man of faith. I'm filtering through the friction. There's a spark inside of this guy. There's something about him that I'm attracted to. I, I have a friendship. Later on in their life, she's laughing at Isaac's jokes. She looked at the family and said, this man of God, Abraham, I don't know everything about him, but I know this is a family I want to align myself with. And I am focused to the point that I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm actually going to walk out and move forward as I obey the call of God on my life. As you're picking someone, pick someone who's focused on stepping into the future that God has called and designed them for. You know, this collection can be triggering for so many different people, for so many different reasons. There's no pain like relationship pain. In two weeks, I'm gonna talk about how to repair broken relationships. 
Don Sheree's gonna preach in a couple weeks on necessary endings, when, when relationships need to come to an end. So don't have selective hearing because we're just, we only got so much time, we can only talk about so many different things. Maybe you're here today and you're going, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I feel like I picked wrong. Maybe you, you know you picked wrong. Maybe your marriage is, has been severed through divorce or betrayal. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're dating somebody, you're like, I don't know if this is right. Maybe you're trying to pick the right. Maybe you're here and you're, you're lonely. It's like, you're all rich, you're not helpful, man. You get up here and you're like, you stand up there with your wife and you wear your stupid outfits and you're like, just trust Jesus. But like, bro, you've been like, you've been, you've been good for a long time. Like, I hear you. I hear you. I see you. But we have to come back to our theology. We have to come back to what are we building our life on? Because the good news of the gospel is that you didn't actually pick Jesus. He picked you. He came and found you. He came and sifted through all of your dirt, all of your sin, and he didn't give up on you. He said, I love you. And he trades all of your dirt and all of your sin. And what does he give you in exchange? He only gives you gold. He only gives you love. He only gives you his mercy. He only gives you... Scripture says, he gave you beauty for your ashes. An oil of joy for your mourning. Garment of praise for your heaviness. It's the beautiful exchange of the gospel. And I love our God because he gives us free will. He says, I pick you. Now, do you want to respond? Do you want to exchange all of your dirt, all of your mistakes, all of your past, all of your future sin, all of your future dirt, all of your future mess? Do you want to surrender your life to the God who takes your mess and turn it into greatness? Do you want to surrender your life to the God who takes all of your dirty areas and in exchange, he gives you gold? Because a partner and a spouse and a girlfriend and a boyfriend and a husband and wife, they can never complete you. Only Jesus Christ can. And if you'll allow him to meet your need, he will bring fulfillment and satisfaction in ways that you never, ever could dream. It will become the foundation for every other relationship of your life. And I got good news for you, friends. Those of you that are reeling with pain today, God doesn't cheat on people. God doesn't have affairs. God doesn't abuse people. God doesn't divorce people. If I could be so bold to say it that way. God doesn't walk out on his family. God doesn't abandon. God doesn't promise and then leave. God's present. God's faithful. And God loves you. And he has a plan. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.